0: I'm Troy Richards. And I'm Daniel Mawson. Welcome to the Understanding Jesus Podcast. I'm the senior pastor at First Baptist Church in Jackson, Missouri. And Daniel's our worship pastor. Our church is reading through the Bible in a year. And on this podcast, we examine highlights from this week's reading. We talk about the passages devotionally and try to answer questions people have shared with us. Our hope is that you'll discover how amazing God's Word is and how enjoyable it is to read for yourself, which is the key to understanding Jesus.
1: We are back once again, week nineteen, understanding Jesus. Week nineteen We are up here in our choir room with robes.
0: And we even left the door us. open in case we're somebody yells. And we are something. living I just crazy. crazy. Yeah, we're at, the out edge. there on the edge. We're really up glad edge. you
1: joined us again. Man, yeah. if if this if you've been in all nineteen of our of our episodes, that's wow. right. Yeah. Dedication. And
0: if this is your first one, you can go back can and go listen back. to all 18. You can
1: binge listen to That's understanding right.
0: Jesus. That's right. You could start, re- you could read through the whole Bible. Yeah. Or at least get to where we are uh, yeah. in. A no few time, hours. No I don't know. I, I, I wonder how long it would take. I don't, I don't know. I mean, there are 40 minutes a piece, so. Yeah, I'm, well, binge, binge listening, but I wonder how long it would actually take to read up to where we are right oh, now. I don't know. So don't it takes know. about 20 to 25 minutes a day. Yeah. So multiply that times the number of days since January 1st. Whew. Eh, it's a, it's a little reading. bit a little bit of time. You yeah. might just want to go listen yeah, to the podcast Exactly. you might just listen to the podcast <laughs> and then start where we are and go from there. But anyway, this week, wow. Cool. I just the, last week was good. This week is good. This is such a great section of scripture. Uh and uh I know if, if there's moments you get kind of bogged down in, in certain chapters and so forth, but there this is an Old Testament, New Testament, even Psalms and Proverbs extravaganza of just amazing mm. stuff that's just crazy. First the Psalms and Proverbs are awesome. I mean, some great insights of wisdom and so forth. You you take each individual proverb and it's like, oh, that's so meaningful and so forth. So I I hope you'll do that. But right now what we're reading in 1 Samuel and getting into 2 Samuel, uh, David, the the transfer of power is taking place. In fact, it's complete in last week's reading. Saul just, we talked about what a miserable failure he he was turning into. Well, David, he goes after David and David has the opportunity to, not once but twice to take Saul out and doesn't I mean it's like God even his men are saying the Lord has has blessed you today he's given your enemy into our hands and David just both times I will not touch the Lord's anointed uh, and even feels guilty Mm. for cutting off the end of his robe and so forth but uh, but anyway so that that's we get through both those events in this week's reading the story of Nabal and Abigail is uh incredible how what a shrewd woman she turns out to be and uh david winds up uh her husband has a stroke or i don't know i'm laughing about that but uh her husband dies after being a real jerk and uh and then uh david winds up marrying his wife um and then David flees to the Philistines, the enemy of Israel, and seeks refuge there. And through a crazy set of events, just finds a home amongst them. And uh, and then Saul seeks to find a happy medium. <laughs> uh, and I'm not talking about compromise. He literally goes after a fortune teller to because uh, he's not hearing from the Lord. And everybody knows when your prayers aren't being answered, always go to a psychic. Find a witch, yeah. <laughs> uh, I hope you realize that 's not true, uh, and then we have as a result, and if you 're wondering if that 's a good idea, well, then we get to the death of Saul Oof. and his son uh and sons, actually Jonathan, the one that we know, and uh he it's it 's bad, bad ending for Saul and Jonathan, David becomes king of Judah, the entire nation of Israel, then later uh, falls under his uh, his monarchy. And uh, and we also see him moving the ark of the covenant and the thing and just so much there in the New Testament you have Jesus choosing his disciples he turns the water into wine uh, he cleanses the temple he meets with Nicodemus get the most popular verse in the Bible uh, John three sixteen I was going to say Nehemiah one five but that's, <laughs> that just seemed funny uh, and uh, the um, <laughs> The most popular verse in the Bible, uh, and and he also encounters the Samaritan woman and a lot of amazing teaching Mm. there. Uh, The Gospel of John, you know, each chapter is so rich with with the tale. it's And and, it, and you have to imagine, you're the apostle, you have this close intimacy with Jesus, and then you have uh, you, the other three Gospels are already out there and circulating, you're familiar with that material, you're familiar with the letters of Paul, you're familiar with all the things that have been written, and now you have a word that you want to give to the church that you really believe they need to have, and and you can just tell that he's already he's aged and he's thought about it and reflected on the life of Christ and all that he knew and it's like it's like and he even uses this dear children expression like i've got something very important I want to share with you, and wow, it is such a, such a rich book I've always said if there was only one book of the Bible you could possess. Uh, it would be the Gospel of John, and and definitely enough to give you uh, for salvation. I'm yeah. glad that God gives us the rest, the other 65 books, but the Gospel of John is just always a pleasure to read through, and so um, so every reading is going to be good uh, for that. So so anyway, that's yeah. the summary. We'll come back cool. and we'll we'll begin to tell you some things that we felt were great.
1: Okay, we're back.
0: Da, 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 da. Got a
1: couple things to talk about here.
0: We do have some things to share. Uh I know for a fact that you went first last time so I'm going I did. first. Please this do. Time. Thank yes. you. And uh, and this comes from John chapter 3. Now, understand I, you know, when you're reading John chapter 3, the story where Nicodemus comes in and Jesus tells him that you have to be born again. He then says John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but ever Everlasting life, eternal life, whosoever, all these things. The words change a little bit, depending on the version. But we all get the gist of it. Fantastic passage. Absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. But then, after John finishes telling us about this encounter with Nicodemus, he begins to share something about John the Baptist. And that's what I wanted to look at today. Not that I, again, these are just things that stick out to us in our reading. uh, And and we're just highlighting those things uh, and what God seems to be saying to us in that moment. But here it is um john three chapter uh, John chapter three verses thirty through thirty six He must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all, and what he has seen and heard that he testifies and no and no one receives his testimony. He who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For God does not give the spirit by measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abides on him. Hmm. This is such an incredible passage and what i wrote is believing jesus is the truth is the only way to avoid god's wrath and 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 john even goes on to say he is the truth he is the way the truth and the life and no man comes to the father but through him so he says that later in his gospel but but here he's pointing out that just to believe that jesus is reality that he is truth this is the only way to salvation. And this is who God is looking at. Anyone who does not believe that Jesus is the truth has the wrath of God upon him. And John starts out by saying, he's saying, well, some people are, they're coming to him and saying, hey, some people are following Jesus. He has more followers than you have. And he says, you don't get it. I'm nothing. I never said I was the Messiah. never claimed to be the Messiah. I was preparing the way for the Messiah. But now that he is here, he has to become more. I have to become less. And what what a statement to all of us. That is, the moment you come into contact with Christ, it is an understanding that you and I are to diminish, that we are to, that that whoever I was when I encountered him, uh, I need to to become less of me and more of him, that he needs to be magnified in my life. I need to recognize that I am not trying to uh, get people to know more about me, but to try to get people to know about him. This especially, I think, resonates with pastors Because we have a tendency, because we get a a pulpit and a platform to speak to people all the time, we get a tendency to want to think, I wonder if people remember what I said, I wonder if people remember me. A successful ministry or pastorate is not when you leave and everybody says, wow, wasn't he awesome? But it's when you leave, they say, "Isn't Christ amazing?" And they continue to say that, no matter who their new pastor is, or no matter what comes next, that that we and that needs to be true for you, uh, for our, for as a parent with our children, it needs to be not my dad's amazing, but to say, you know what, I'm not amazing, but Jesus is. And for our children to recognize how awesome God is in spite of us um, is is really true. But but the, the bigger thing here is that. Uh, He's saying, because there's a lot of question about, uh, am I really a Christian? Am I really going to heaven? I think if you really want to know for certain that you are going to heaven, if you really want to know for certain that you will not go to hell, then you need to ask yourself a question. Do I believe that Jesus is the truth, the only real reality, that he really is the Son of God, that he really was born of a virgin that he really did die on a cross that he really did rise from the dead that all his words are the truth that he himself is the truth and there is no other truth apart from him and then I demonstrate that faith by becoming less of who I am and more of who he is saying my life is not worth pursuing so I'm gonna pursue the life that he gives that that's the question you have to ask yourself because if you have your trust in him then you have no reason to fear but if that's not the measure of your life, if you really are still trying to find solutions to your life in other places apart from Christ, if you look for truth in other places apart from Jesus, then you should question whether or not you really know him or not, because uh, he should be your only truth. And that's a battle in itself, even when you recognize that. But uh, but anyway, that's... Yeah. Um, obviously, that's... John chapter 3 is, is one of the quintessential passages yeah. of Scripture for knowing and understanding. Not the
1: climax of... Yeah.
0: Yeah, of, of of what our faith is all mm-hmm. about.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's good. All right. Um, well, you mentioned in the intro uh, about how David comes and he um, doesn't kill Saul like a right. couple times, and he feels remorse over just doing the little things that he did. And that I, I could go for a long time. I could fill a podcast with how that's impacted my life personally. Mm. That that moment. Um, but I'm not going to. But um, I come. You know, keep reading. And in Second Samuel uh, one and two. Um, just right at the beginning, right, you know, when Saul dies and, um, the Amalekite kills him and then has the nerve to mm-hmm. come to David who, he, who just killed a bunch of Amalekites, um, to, uh, to inform him that he killed Saul. And, um, you know, David says something along the lines of how are you so brave in telling me that you've um, done this to the one that the Lord's anointed, you've condemned yourself right. uh, and he kills him. He has mm-hmm. him killed, uh, I'm just and then David, so those three things, him not killing Saul twice, him taking vengeance on the man who did kill Saul, and then David's hesitancy to ascend to um to go to Judah and be crowned, okay. um not hesitancy per se in that he didn't want to, but just he wanted to check with the Lord um is just such a picture of how man he had. He was anointed by Samuel to be king. He was supposed Mm. to be king this whole time. It was taken from him. And just the lack of ambition in this man Mm. who, by all appearances, was was the guy. He was the guy. God had told him, you're the guy. He was waiting on God's timing. And it reminds me of back when we were reading in Joshua, when um, the the Gibeonites went to them and said, hey, we want to, they lied to them and made a false treaty. treaty, Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. made a false treaty or a bad treaty. And Israel took them up on it because it seemed like the obvious choice. And they didn't
0: consult God. And
1: they didn't consult God. Yeah. And David had been told by God, you're going to be king you're going to be king or I'm going to make you a king and now here it is the king is dead it's your turn and David still doesn't seize the throne until he checks in with God mm. and man i i look at that and just am put to shame by my own ambition and my own feelings on where i think i should be and how i think people should feel about me and yeah. and that kind of thing and i don't i don't at all on that scale Think about, you know, I, I act in my own wisdom so much, and right. I act in my own feelings, and and that's that's such a good thing for us, I think, to to take out of that is that if David <laughs> doesn't do the obvious choice before talking to the Lord about right. it, why in the world am I making any moves right. to, to do anything? So so that really hit me
0: this week, um, just that whole that whole concept. Yeah, I I actually was in a situation where I had a person who was uh, not necessarily authority over me, but in a position um, that um, felt that uh, you know within our denomination there's roles and so forth, and we don't consider it a hierarchy, but it was an important role within our our denomination, and um, and this person was did an awful job and needed <laughs> and needed to be removed, and they were they. Had, if they had done good at one point it had, it had started to go downhill and we all knew it and and it was uh and then I got put in a position where I was on a personnel committee and then chairman of that personnel committee and then so people were coming to me and saying you need to do what you can to remove him and I actually was in a position where I could have sought that and it was uh, I continued this was the passage that continually came to mind it's like I'm I'm not you know the Lord put him in that role I was I w- had been in a weird turn of events I was a young teenager but in my church but I was there when he was made that position now here 20 25 years later mm. I'm back and uh and then it's like oh he's still here <laughs> and uh and and needs to bow out and and wouldn't and uh and it was like you know lord I'm you're going to have to do that yeah. you're going to have to you're going to have to make that happen I'm not going to be the one to uh, intervene here. And yeah. so, and the Lord did. And so it's just... Uh, when
1: I've heard people say things like, well, if you're in that position, maybe God's maybe God wants you to be that hand yeah. of uh, Well, just like they justice. did David. But yeah. exactly. Yeah. Nobody yeah. wants to be that guy. That yeah. Amalekite was being used by God to rid the world of Saul at that point yeah. in time. But... You don't want to be the Amalekite guy. You don't yeah. want
0: to be the one that God uses. You don't want to be an Amalekite, period. God right. didn't have a lot of good things for the Amalekites. That's for sure. You want to be the patient one. God will get it done. That's right. If you find out you're an Amalekite, you just better plead for mercy. <laughs> that's right, as a rule. Um, right, one more. Let's see what I got here. Uh, this is from Proverbs sixteen forty five. 45. Um, the Lord has made all for himself, yes, even this wicked for the day of even Okay, let me start again. The Lord has made all for himself, yes, even the wicked for the day of doom. Everyone proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord, though mm-hmm. they join forces, none will go unpunished. Uh, and I just wrote this is from last year, <laughs> and I wrote it which sounds very appropriate always. Our world is filled with insanity right now. Uh, The sexual revolution now pushes gender identity as a right that should be protected and believe doctors should acknowledge a woman who identifies as a man is indeed a man. So if she has a baby, then it is a man having a baby. Thus, men have babies. It is crazy. And I'm not sure where all this go. The church will have to stay with the dogma that God created us, male and female. And as we were made, so are we we are on the cusp of madness, <laughs> and uh, and I was I heard uh, there was a story not too long ago uh, about a woman uh, who um, identifies as a man uh, who had a baby and wanted, but it said on the birth certificate for the baby that she was the fa- that she was the mother because she had the baby mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and she wanted it changed because she felt mother was an identity she didn't want to have, and so she sued to have her name changed and the judge ruled that she could have it changed but now it's under judicial review and they're thinking of changing it back and and you just think that i mean just the thought that if that that child you know you have to have a mom and a dad a mother and a father identifies us as are the role we played in the birth of that child and everybody has a mother and a father and yet think of the difficulty years later because sometimes there are medical reasons and other reasons we have to go back and find trace back our roots and Mm. find out who was who and you pull up a record and all of a sudden it says oh i have two fathers i don't (laughs) have a mother and which is not true because you did have somebody gave birth to you and so it's like well with come up with a different way to describe the person giving birth it's like well we came up with a way to describe the person giving birth we call that the mother right <laughs> and so the term wasn't good enough the term yeah, so we're so we're trying to change these terms and reality and and i just just a reminder uh and and every and you know now we say things like this and we're afraid that at some point somebody's going to pull it out and think oh that's hate speech and they're going to say oh you're this or a bigot or that don't understand it's like uh, just a reminder to the church we do not gain our identity. We don't choose the terms that we use. We don't, we don't say, this is who I choose to be. We acknowledge that we have a God who created us, and we acknowledge that he created us a certain way and told us what we are to believe and how we are to think, and we think that way because he is God. Now, you can think that's wrong or not believe in our God or whatever, but we do believe in this God. And, and you might say, well, the world's getting to a place where we can't openly acknowledge those feelings. Now, the world has always been that way. We've been fortunate to be in a society that kind of understands and appreciates our values. But if you look at the early church, it started out mm. in the midst of a culture that did not understand. I mean, our I told we were having this conversation the other day. She was saying, what what happens if, if people don't like the way we say about this or what we believe about this? I said, you do realize that when the church started, the Romans felt we were atheists mm. because we didn't believe in their gods or acknowledge their gods. And because we were teaching what we were teaching, they dipped us in oil and they set us on fire And to make a statement. Yet we continue to say what we say. We continue to believe what we believe. And here we are, still 2,000 years later, and that's what we need to continue to do. We just have to remain faithful to what God has told us. That is where righteousness lies. There will always be, and we have to recognize any as being wicked, anything that contradicts what God says. Anything that is against what he clearly reveals is wickedness. To call unrighteousness, righteousness. To call that which is wicked, good. He s- specifically spells that out. He says, that is an abomination to me. And and so we're just not to do We just have to remain steadfast. Of course, there's the risk that people are going to, in a, in a secular culture, that they're going to look at us and say, that's false and that's wrong, and you all need to be punished or shut up or silenced or whatever. That's been going on for, they crucified our Lord mm. as a result of saying, of revealing the truth. And so, um, so if persecution comes, persecution comes, but that doesn't change the fact that we continue to proclaim the truth.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's really good. Um, so jumping forward to John, um, chapter four, it's uh, one of the key kind of, when you go to worship pastor school, they've got, um, Romans 12:1, <laughs> and they've got John 4:23, and, and it's with Jesus and the women at the well and uh, you know Jesus says why, why do you worship here what are you thinking and she says well we worship here our fathers worship here I know someday we'll worship there and Jesus says look look lady An hour is coming, and now is, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God's spirit, those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So you get into this, you get this idea from Jesus, who knows a thing or two about worship. What worship is, and worship must be done to God, because we know from the context of the rest of Scripture that God wants to be worshipped a certain way. And so when you have God telling you what way he wants to be worshiped, and it comes down to two words, you really lock into those two words. Um, and they are spirit and truth. So what is, what is that? And so um, just to, um, you know, our listeners, I'm, I, I do the worship at our church, and um, I, so I, I'm, I'm always picking songs and kind of crafting which, what we sing where. And just so people know, when we talk about spirit, um, we're thinking of two. We're thinking of a couple things. Um, we're thinking of obviously we want to worship in the Holy Spirit. We want to worship through His power. It's the only way we have access to God right now, through the Holy Spirit. So we want to do that, but it's not capitalized in the text. So He wasn't talking about the Holy Spirit, probably, but the spirit of um, uh, spirit, the spiritual setting that the heart is in, plus the emotions that God has given us to adequately like lead our heart in worship of God in song, to lead it, not to be directed by our hearts or our emotions, but to lead our emotions um, in that way. And in truth um, is the other word, it's a, and that is um, that every word we sing and every word that we express to God not only has to be true in fact, but also point to the truth, capital T, the truth of Jesus. Um, it has to it has to be directed that way. And if it's not, and um, if we can't take every word and even the every context of every word, um, and do that, then it's not a song that we're going to sing um, on on Sundays. Not a song we should sing on um, our own personal or family worship times. Um, and 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 the thing about songs now, we really the church really has to be careful about the songs that they hear on the radio, um, mm. especially. I'm very very, um, I don't know if critical is the right word, but I'm really really skeptical of any popular song right now because there's so much of a context in modern worship music that says that I am this poor, um, helpless prisoner and um, Jesus came and saved me out of that and I didn't deserve anything that's been happening to me, mm. but, um, but he, he saved me and now we're all good and he's great. Um, and, and there is so much truth in that, but the enemy works in a lot of truth. We need a complete truth. And the complete truth is that we are. Fully culpable of our own pr- imprisonment and our own uh, suffering, Jesus came and saved us in spite of our own sinfulness and in spite of all that. So, um, he's not our boyfriend. He's not um, our daddy. Mm. He is. Um, he is our God. Mm. He's our Savior. So there's a there's a lot of um, of nuances to that. But however we worship, however we sing, needs to always be within those categories and and just doesn't mean it's a bad song. Right. Doesn't mean the source um, is is bad. It just is to say um, necessarily, but it is to say that man, our worship has to be careful. Right. Um, and and so I encourage people in that. And it doesn't have to be scary. It just has to be careful.
0: Yeah. Um, so. Well, I think it's the same in anything that you're repeating. Yeah. I, I wish I could also you could extend that to things you repost on Facebook. Things? Yes. <laughs> oh, man. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. The words
0: that come out of our mouths and the things that come out of our fingers. Because so often we will be listening to things and we're singing along with it. You need to think about the words that are coming out of your mouth. Mm. You're, you are held accountable for those things. Uh, the fact that that person produced that song and, and did it and so forth and and, and you, you don't want to f- – if the moment you realize that it's saying something that you do not echo or you need to stop listening to that mm. because you want to fill your mind with the things that are, that are God. And I'm, I'm guilty of that. So often I think I'll filter oh, man. I'm filtering all this yeah. and so forth. Well, but the more, the, you, the more you hear it, the more, it, the more it has a hold on
1: you. Oh yeah. And the pleasing things are with the traps. Yeah. And um, not that all pleasing, you know what I'm saying? Not all yep. pleasing things are bad. A lot of them are yeah. really, really good. Yeah. But it is something to be skeptical of
0: everything to, that you and, consume. And it's always yeah. re- remembering is the, is God bringing this to me, or is the enemy bringing this to me? Yeah. And if God's bringing it, then it's gratification. If the enemy's bringing it, it's a trap. Yeah. You for know, sure. Here, here, Admiral. It's Akbar. not gonna look
1: like a trap either. Here,
0: Admiral Ackbar's voice. Yeah, it's a trap. It's a
1: trap. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man. So right. anyway, that's my soapbox. Uh, that's 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 where I went. Oh, I appreciate it. it appreciate. It. Uh, Daniel's almost as tall as me as when he's, he's last. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Daniel. It was, a, it was a moment. A cheap shot, yeah, but it's sorry, fine. I, it I, accept it. I accept it. I accept it. It a cheap shot. John chapter five fourteen. He says, Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. And then 22 and 23. For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son, that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father, who sent him now I I remember this is a tough passage because it was um about a guy that Jesus healed and he told him and then he was confronted by the Pharisees and and uh and so forth and and they and he begins to tell them you know have this conversation with them I've heard another pastor who I won't name radio nationally known people very popular and so forth who said that he believes that when Jesus said this to him that it was said in jest that he was kind of tongue-in-cheek that he was saying it because he's saying uh because these other guys are trying to make you think that you're a sinner, you know, and he says, make sure you don't go out and sin or whatever. Well, I, because of the context in it, I struggle with that Oof. understanding. Oh, yeah. And so, because I, I really believe that John, that there are things that are said that are obviously in jest or so forth because Jesus, like when he says, you got to get the plank out of your own eye before you can get the speck out of somebody else's. He's drawing a picture that's obviously, uh, I can't remember the name, of when you make hyperbole. Yep. That's obviously, he's making some grandiose statement. There's literally not a two before in your eye, but you get the idea. Uh, but this is what of those times, I believe he's trying to emphasize, you're treading on thin ice here. You've been set free. Now make sure that, uh, and I think this is true, because I think this is true for all of us, and a truth he communicates over and over again. When he shows us grace and favor, when we have been shown mercy, when our prayers are answered, we are in a very dangerous moment. And that is that Satan then comes. Now that we've had the pressure removed, now we've had that thing we've been stressing about, the thing we've been praying about, and all of a sudden it's been lifted. There is a temptation to go right back to the way we thought before, mm. and to and to not follow Jesus and to say, "Well, I got." And we've done this. Anybody who's bargained with God and said, "God, if you'll just relieve this debt, if you'll just get help me, out me out pay this. this, if you'll get me out of the situation, I will serve you. I'll be faithful. You'll do everything you want me to do," and then He does it. And then it's kind of like, uh, I don't remember. <laughs> maybe I'll give you 50% of what I told you I was going to give you. <laughs> maybe I'm, 10, good, 10, so. 10, I'm pretty good. Uh, maybe I'll catch you on the flip side. Um, but anyway, I find, I, wrote, I, wrote, I find the warning of Jesus jarring. He is straight up telling this guy that he needs to stop sinning or something worse will happen to him. He then punctuates that he has the authority to judge people, so we should honor what he commands. And to remember that, that Jesus does have the authority to judge us, that he doesn't want to, that he's reluctant in issuing out that punishment, or else he wouldn't extend such great mercy and patience. But uh, he is slow to anger, but he does anger. <laughs> and he does, uh, he is, he is he's slow to wrath, but he does, if you push and push and push and push, uh, eventually it will come. So anyway. That's awesome. So you ready to take a break? Take a break and do the questions? Yep, let's
1: do that. We will do that. Be right back. All right, we are back. This is the question and answer segment (laughs) where (laughs) generally people send in, text in, email in, post in questions or weird observations that they got from the text that maybe they just had to scratch their head over. So we're going to scratch our head some today. We are sometimes we record things a little bit in advance and today's one of those times so we don't have a ton of things that people messaged in, but you can right. do that by emailing us on our website, fbcj.us, little plug there, and you can you can get us questions about the text and we'll try to cover it in a future podcast. But right now
0: we're going to go. Bum, bum bum bum. Do you want me to start? Do you Do want it. to start? Okay. Good question. Uh, I don't I don't know that I have any questions.
1: Okay, but. cool. Good cuz you're kind of the answer guy. Um, I this is um I just want to pick your brain a little bit on First Samuel chapter 28 and if you're doing the reading with us, you probably kind of paused here cuz this part got a little wonky. If you've read the Chronicles of Narnia, this is this is kind of <laughs> where uh, Prince Caspian tries to raise up the White Witch. Yeah. Uh, so Saul, let me just kind of give a framework here. Saul is Samuel dies. Right. Right. We'll start there. Samuel well, ba- dies. we well,
0: back up. Saul, as an act of obedience to God, mm-hmm. has cast out of the country yes. all, all the, the witches and mediums,
1: diviners, all that stuff. So it is now illegal, highly illegal, put to death illegal by his own edict. By yeah. his own edict. Yeah. He mm-hmm. has said this. He's and he's the most famous man in Israel, except for maybe David. Right. and so he has done this now Samuel dies and Saul is now feels like he's without without anything even though we're given in the text that he has um, prophets he could go to mm-hmm. uh, he has think people he could seek after but anyway he doesn't and he feels no, he, like he's well,
0: alone he, he does he does he doesn't hear anything does
1: he doesn't he? hear anything right, right from Urim and and yeah, others the, the um, the Urim and he the doesn't have him. dreams he doesn't have anything God doesn't right. God has stopped talking to him yeah. and that freaks Saul out you know when he's used to a little yeah. bit of communication right. from God, as it would most of us. Mm-hmm. So Saul panics, and he hears about this witch, this medium, right, uh, from Endor. Endor. Which is a Star Wars planet. <laughs> uh, a moon. Yeah, a moon. A yeah, yeah, very, yeah. very famous moon. So anyway, he goes and seeks out this woman who's a medium at Endor. And Saul disguises himself because he doesn't want to trip her out. And he says, hey, I am just this normal guy, and I want you to pull up, uh, oh, I don't know, maybe Samuel. <laughs> and she says, look, man, I can't do that because you know as well as I do that Saul has banned people, and I don't want you to be trapping me. And so Saul says, I'm, yeah, I'm going to need you to do it anyway. Right. And so uh, she said, "He's," and he says, "Fine, it's fine. I won't get you killed. I won't tell Saul. And she believes him, and so she conjures Samuel. I mean, the text calls him Samuel. Yeah. Um, And Samuel says, bro, what are you doing? I was resting. Um, What do you want? You shouldn't have done this. What do you want, Saul? And he calls him by his name, and the medium lady freaks out. And um, so Saul gets his quasi answer, and um, they go their separate ways. She um, gets him to eat something because he hadn't been eating. Right. And um, and, and they leave, and everyone. Kind of reads the passage and is like, well, that happened. (laughs) (laughs) And so, I I just I just want to pick your brain on just hit some of the hot topics there.
0: Yeah, the the thing with this is there there really two schools of thought I think that come down for people who are literal. I mean, who are gonna who try to maintain the sacredness of the text and don't believe anything else can be added in everything. Mm -hmm. And one camp will be in that it, it is face value. It is simply that God has allowed this as He does allow Satan to do things. He's allowed this woman to access the spirit of Samuel and conjures him up and there's this conversation that takes place and and so this uh, this all transpires but there is a little bit of a window for another way of thinking about it uh, because the, the difficulty is is thinking why would god do that why would god honor or, or participate in witchcraft when uh, he has forbidden it or whatever um, and uh, and so there's you can think of all kinds of things that still maintain integrity of God and so forth, and we can make all kinds of theological uh, arguments there. But there's a more, I think, I think a more natural understanding in that um, when you actually look at the text, it says, um, who is it that you want me to bring up for you, the woman asked. Bring up Samuel for me, he answered, when the woman saw Samuel. So it's not Saul seeing Samuel, it's the woman seeing Samuel, she screamed, and then she asked Saul, why did you deceive me? You are Saul. But the king said to her, don't be afraid. What do you see? So this isn't Saul actually seeing the spirit of Samuel. This is a woman having a vision or or something, and is, um, I can't remember the term, when she is, uh, when you have that when you are channeling uh, Mm -hmm. a particular Mm -hmm. spirit or whatever, she's channeling Samuel to Saul. Uh, She says, I see a spirit form. She says, I see a spirit form coming up out of the earth, the woman answered. Then Saul asked her, what does he look like? An old man is coming up, she replied. He's wearing a robe. Then Saul knew that it was Samuel, and he knelt low with his face to the ground and paid homage. Never says he's Samuel. Specifically, says she sees a form Saul identifies this as Samuel, and so now is believing all the words that are coming from this being to be the words of Samuel. Now, the idea is is that what she is actually seeing is a demonic presence. Hmm. it could be an angel of the Lord, it could be some other presence. Sure it does not necessarily have to, have to be samuel it just has to be someone who is identifying as samuel if it's a demonic spirit then i don't think there's any rules that demonic spirits would have to say you can't say you're samuel and right. not be samuel <laughs> uh, line's game. i think that line is their thing yes but and and it would kind of be like but here's 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 a more when you take that interpretation here's um, this is He says, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up, Samuel, I saw? He says, I'm in serious trouble. And he goes on, so I've called on you to tell me what you should do. And then it says Samuel answered. And again, by the text saying Samuel answered, it again doesn't have to be that it's saying this is Samuel. It could be. The person who's been identified as Samuel, as Samuel in this text. Sure. Uh, Since the Lord has turned away from you and has become your enemy, why are you asking me? The Lord has done exactly what he said through me. The Lord has torn the kingship. And he goes on to say this. Um, let me skip to the part. He said, um, he said, and then he says, The Lord will also hand Israel over to the Philistines along with you. Tomorrow you and your sons will be with me, and the Lord will hand Israel's army over to the Philistines. I, when I read that through, again, if you think of it, if this is a demon who's saying, and tomorrow you will be with me, um, mm. it is a much darker tone. It's pretty it's, dark. Not, it's not Samuel saying, you'll be where I am. It's the demon saying, yeah. you'll be where I am. Sure. And, uh, and so uh, either way, I wouldn't put it past Satan to say, I'm the bearer of dark news. <laughs> and uh, I really didn't want to do this, but God made me. Um, but... And and the reason for that, I think that the reason why I lean in this direction is because God, we've already seen multiple times that God has sent a spirit to harass Saul. Mm. And so there's always already this precedent of this demonic force, this evil spirit, as the word says, that God has commissioned. And this could just absolutely be another instance of this you want you want an answer I'll give you an answer and he commissions this because the demons are under uh, the sovereignty of God I mean they do they do what he only allows them to do now he doesn't conjure the evil and give that evil to them they are evil he just allows their evil to accomplish his purposes again God takes all things works all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose but if you do not love him and you are not called according to his purpose it doesn't work so great for you and um, and so um, so I that's that's my take on it. Now, I, if I get to heaven and God says, "Oh no, that was absolutely something I just allowed to happen." I'm not going to go, "How dare you?" You know? are <laughs> a god. How could you do this?" Because I'm I'm pretty sure he would have a reasonable answer for me. <laughs> and uh and I don't I don't see myself questioning God in that way. Uh I'm not on the level of Job even. But um <laughs> the uh but but that that's how I I think that's a very reasonable explanation uh sure. given given the nature of what we have.
1: So. Yeah, that's good. Good good good
0: is, that it? is that that's the only question I
1: mean I'm sure there's there's so much we don't know and I don't know but that's the big one that stuck out well to there me. is
0: uh, let's let's talk about it because a couple of things that' were dealt with that I think just bear pointing out and I, I do so at the just to kind of just, these are things that uh, come up and uh, one is uh, the water turning into wine uh, just because I've had that question oh, yeah. asked me all the time uh, that room. yes the uh, Was it – because I've had preachers say it was just really good grape juice. There is absolutely nothing in the text because when Jesus goes and they offer up, they have the wine available, and then he changes the water into wine. And then the steward takes – they take it to the master or whatever. He tastes it and says, ask the host – why did you save the really good wine, mm. which means it's the strong wine, Because the right. practice was we give out a really strong wine, and then after everybody's had something to drink, we water it down – or give the weaker ones the cheaper one, stuff, the cheaper yeah. stuff uh, because nobody cares <laughs> at that point, and uh, and that's just the nature of it. That's that was just a it's a cultural norm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is in no way saying that we're trying to say it's okay to drink. There's no way saying that Jesus is advocating for drunkenness. Uh, this is just a. It is a cultural norm that they drink wine at weddings during this period of time. Um, as usual, we have uh, made a mess of things mm-hmm. that were uh, because one, uh, we've talked about this before, uh, they didn't have good their water wasn't sterile and so they didn't have good water, but he definitely could have made it. Pure and holy water. <laughs> he just didn't.
1: Well, we like um, to take like cultural standards and contextual facts from the yeah, Bible, right, and make like a moral statement out of it, right. You know, we, we try to make a judgment call on, oh well, that must be telling me that this is right because we make the Bible about us, right? Of course, uh, but yeah,
0: yeah. But it's not, and and so yeah, the fact that they did drink a um, a, uh, a, a wine a fermented. Beverage, yeah. you know, during Jesus' day, this is not new and, right. uh, and not unusual. It's not. It's neither a statement that he's saying it's okay for you to do that, nor is a statement saying that it's wrong that it, anybody ever did this. Uh, it remains neutral on that. Right. Drunkenness is a sin. We know that, yeah. uh, but um, but there are a lot of things that uh, we do that are wrong on on many different levels. Sure. Uh, so um, so anyway, I but it doesn't. It's not that is not the point of the story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, and Daniel said, "Well, it's that we take it to match what we want it to say." But the story is is that Jesus' mom asked him to do something, yeah. and he demonstrated his power over things. And the fact that he did it outside of his time yeah. to please his mom—it it really, the whole story is like kind of weird. Why would he do that? <laughs> he but do uh, but he did, and uh, and so it just shows the uh, his power and his ability to to do such things. Which kind of tells me.
1: That, that, maybe that was his first public miracle, but somehow Mary knew to ask.
0: Yeah, she you knew she knew that he had that power. Yeah. She knew he whatever it's he like, says to hey, do, Jesus, do it. Do yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, whatever whatever he tells you, you do what he you tells you to do because I know he's yeah. gonna he's gonna make this. He, does, he will fix this. He's done it at home. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it, and I think that it also uh, speaks to that he doesn't care about. He could see ahead and see that Baptist preachers were going to have a hard time with this, <laughs> and didn't care. Yeah, right. <laughs> so it just like he's like you're caught up in your own legalism, mm-hmm. and um, and so. Um, Well, again, I want to strongly say that uh, we do not condone drinking. We're not advocating something uh, Yeah, exactly. We're not advocating for something uh, and definitely see the evils of drunkenness and so forth. And alcohol in our society is a great evil and a great sin and has caused a lot of problems and wreaked a lot of havoc. But this and there are other passages that speak to that. But here, uh, that doesn't mean we changed the story uh, to match uh, what we wanted to say. It says what it says for a purpose, and it does communicate that clearly. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's good yeah that's that's all i got all right well thank you all for listening this has been an awesome week next week i'm sure we'll be even just at least as amazing
0: (laughs) yeah and we'll be
1: back live and we will be back live the next time we're doing this so yeah so thank you we will see you later Thanks again for listening to the Understanding Jesus podcast put on by First Baptist Church of Jackson. If you would like more information, you can find us online on our website at firstbaptistjackson.com. You can email us at daniel at firstbaptistjackson.tv. Or you can find us on social media, First Baptist Jackson on Facebook and FBCJMO on Instagram. We've got a lot of content in all of those places, and we would love to hear your questions on the content that we cover. If you would like to be a part of the podcast, you can email us and message us at any of those ways, or you can call the church office at 573-243-8415, and we would love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week.